Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Playoff Friday here on Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. This is how the Friday shows will generally go, at least for this foreseeable future. We might have to mix it up a little bit because I don't. I'll admit, I don't know when the different series actually start and end. I haven't looked that far ahead. But I know playoff series tend to take about two weeks. And then I think in each conference, they'll just launch the next round as soon as the previous one is done. But then when you get to the finals, then they have that built-in delay. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll kind of figure it out a little bit. It'll be done on the fly. Uh, today, at least, it's going to be playoffs. We got four lessons in the books. Three from me. I guess there were five lessons because we kind of got two from uh, from Matt yesterday. And uh, next week on show number six of our offseason, today, of course, show number five, then we'll loop back around again. So, yeah, anyway, I guess it's not that important that I get into all this stuff. We're just we're just going. We're just going at this point. It's offseason time. It doesn't matter what I do or when I do it. You guys don't care. You just those of you that are still listening for the offseason. First of all, thank you if you're bothering to to continue to hang out with us here even after the season's ended. I know it's not going to be as many of you as during, but I appreciate whoever sticks around. I don't think there's any new listeners right now. I keep saying that and then there's I I still I'm going to treat the show like there's at least one new listener. So, hello, welcome to the show. One thing I got to say before we get started today, we got to 800 you guys did it. A handful of you right at the last second came in and got us to 800 reviews by the end of this one. I think it took an extra day or two. A couple of them came in uh, on like Monday or Tuesday of this week. But you know what? I don't care when we got there. I know I said I wanted to do it by Sunday the 10th, but we did it. But we did it by Tuesday the 12th. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for getting us to 800 reviews on a podcast. That's like 800 is crazy. We don't have a giant network behind us. We got to 800 reviews just on grinding out five shows a week forever. So cool. Thank you. Love you guys. Uh, I promised that I would try to read some of them as they came in. Um, And these are all just super nice. Like, I want to read the ones that are silly or make fun of me or something. But, you know, these are all uh, these are all just really nice ones. So you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. That's all I got to say at the beginning of this guy. Um, thank you for all the reviews. Thank you for all the five stars. It's absolutely incredible. I am to steal a line from LeBron James. I know he loves to say that he's humbled every time something cool happens, but I really am. I feel it's it's weird. Like I when people are like, "Oh, Dan, you're that you're you're that fantasy NBA guy." I'm like, "Nah, man. I'm like niche, very much a niche fame level." But it's you guys and gals. You guys have gotten us to this point, so thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen. Let's do a show. Let's talk a little playoff basketball. We got two games tonight. We broke those down on yesterday's show, but I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a redux on series stuff on today's podcast. We're not going to do a lesson learned for fantasy. It'll be probably a little bit of a shorter show, if I had to guess. And we've been sort of dabbling in the series prices, every time we get a new one that trickles in, we talk about it in, in brief passing on the show. But I want to do them all together. And admittedly, we don't have two of the series yet. 
those games that are happening tonight, Atlanta, Cleveland will decide who plays Miami. New Orleans Clippers will decide who plays Phoenix and gets spanked in the first round of the Western Conference. I don't, you know, anything can happen in the Miami series. The Heat are good. I like the Heat a lot. I've talked about them on pretty much anybody that'll let me talk betting stuff as kind of the always underrated somehow, despite being the one seed. No one believes that they're actually something dangerous. I could see Atlanta upending them. I don't think it's going to happen, but I could see it. I can't even visualize someone beating the Suns in the Western Conference, pretty much until the, the Western Conference Finals. Like, there's just no one. The Warriors now, if they really do have Steph back, they're at least in the same ballpark, but no one else is close. And if Steph isn't really at full strength, then the Warriors wouldn't be close either. So no, a 500 team like a Clippers or an under sub 500 team like the Pels, those teams are not, you know, this is for the right to get spanked. But whatever, it still counts. It's still a relevant ball game and we still don't have a series prize. But I'll tell you this, it's going to be big in the Western Conference. It's not going to be a value play. Like you could go a long shot, but it's not a, just because something is a big number doesn't make it a value if it's not going to happen. Something actually has to happen for it to matter. With every passing week, of course, Chris Paul gets closer to being full health Chris Paul also. Eastern Conference, if Cleveland advances, it's going to be a colossal Heat favorite line. Which, by the way, Cavs might have Jared Allen back for this ball game. We saw a report on that that he actually went through part of shoot-around so he could get back in there. That's a big difference on the interior, defensively and offensively for Cleveland, to have a, a dunker. That's not a rookie. That's just, you know, a little bigger, a little stronger kind of thing. I know Evan Mobley's been very, very good this year. Atlanta side, you know, the Heat will still be a pretty substantial favorite, but I don't think it'll be quite as big because you've just got the, you have the name value. You have Trey Young on the Atlanta side. It's never going to be enough. There's not enough money to come in to move a line that far on a series price that came in on that series. Um... But you can, you know, you could see Trey Young exploding. Heat are just, they're they're just so much better as a a unit. But you saw Atlanta against Charlotte. They sort of have woken up here a little bit. Clint Capella, in particular, looked like a totally different player in that one game than he has pretty much this entire season. I don't know where that iteration of Capella was. 15 points, 17 rebounds, two steals, three blocks. That just, that wasn't there this year. And I'm starting to think it wasn't a health thing. I'm starting to think that, you know, last year he wanted his contract or whatever it was. And this year, he was like, you know what? I'm going to throw it into cruise control for the regular season. And then they had to, then now they're trying to snake their way through the play-in tournament. I'm not sure that that was the best strategy, if that's what it was. But it sure seems like it. I mean, he played harder in that game than he has, I think, at any point all season long. I'm sure there was a game here and there where he played harder that I didn't watch. But just from you know, casual observation of watching that Hawks game against Charlotte, you could see how much more it meant. But anyway, we don't have those series prices yet, so there isn't really a reason to spend much more time on them other than to say you're probably going to get some big numbers and they're probably not going to be all that betting relevant. Uh, but let's go through the games, and we'll go through them kind of chronologically here, uh, and, and that's how we'll get to the uh, the individual game prices and the series prices. The first game that's happening is tomorrow. It's in the morning for me, Pacific time. It's in the morning, 10 a.m. I think it's noon in Dallas, which kind of sucks, actually. I'm sure 
Mavs fans would love to have time to party beforehand, but uh, that's a noon game in Dallas. Mavericks are favored by three on the game price, presumably without Luka Doncic. The, the latest report on Luka is that he's unlikely to play in game one, and they're unsure that he'll even be back for the series. This is going to, I think, stir some things because there's now kind of a disconnect. Actually, you know what? Did that line move a bunch? That line might have moved. I might have been looking at the opening number here. Let's get this right before we do anything dumb on the podcast, or maybe it's too late. We've already done something dumb. Yeah, okay, that line shifted by eight points, actually. Goodness gracious. Wow. That's a lot. I know Luca's important. Um, eight points would be probably the biggest injury line move I've ever seen in my life. That's now a value on the mat on the Mavs side. Um, I thought that might go from like Mavs minus three to Jazz minus one, or a pick'em, or Jazz minus two at the farthest. Five, eight points. Oh my god! So there's just money pouring in on Utah because of the Luka Doncic thing. And I talked about this on I think it was Tuesday's podcast when we got some of these other. Uh, lines coming out, which was, look, if you're going to bet into a series on this one, remember this series price opened with the Mavericks as a, uh, a, sl- a favorite and then very quickly shifted to Utah as a favorite by about minus 200. That's continued to go up now. Jazz are minus 300 favorite on a series as more information has come out about Luka Doncic being kind of farther away, I think, than people expected. But calf stuff is screwy. You know, he got hurt on the last day of the regular season. We're only five days removed from that right now. Calf stuff is almost always at least two weeks. So he's, I'd be surprised if Luca played in any of the first three games of this series. And then you're starting to think, okay, how will he ever get back into it? So yeah, not surprisingly, things have continued to move on the series side in Utah's direction. Earlier this week, I mentioned depending on what you thought, and there's a guessing game completely, if you thought Luka was going to come back mid-series, you could take the Mavs, you could still, or you could wait until the last second, because it seems like this price is just going to go higher and higher. You could take the Mavs on that dog side and say, look, I expect Luka to come back, and then I think once they do, the Mavs will win a couple games in a row. I don't know. I mean, I, he, he'll probably try to force his way back into it, but horrible things could happen if he plays on a, a, a sprained calf or a pulled calf, he could blow the whole thing out, and then who knows? Like, you're thinking career stuff. It's a coin flip. You know, you're guessing as to when an injured guy might come back. If if I'm a betting man, and I am, I say don't do it. If I feel like just having action on this thing, which I would never suggest for no reason at all, I would say Luca probably does try to come back near the tail end of the series, but he needs his Mavs to try to win a game or two without him to extend the series far enough because we might be four games in and that might be Utah going for a sweep. At that point, he's thinking, I, you know, can I even, what's the point? If I come back, are we actually going to win four games in a row with me not at full strength? So no, here's the thing. Utah's probably going to win the series now because of this Luka injury on the last day of the regular season, which is just a, a, a completely brutal thing to happen for, for Dallas, for anybody. At that point, as far as an individual game goes, the Mavericks catching five at home when the Jazz, you know, nobody's played in a week. 
And we know Utah, they've got all their weird little things that they got to work out. Dallas is not terrible without Luka Doncic. They're not good. They're not a, you know, an upper seed Western Conference team, but I still think they're a playoff team without him. So this is a big, big number. The home crowd's going to be going crazy. Uh, the total dropped by eight points without Luka. And you're just going to see, it's going to be different. You know, during the regular season, when, a, when an injured star is out, you tend to play the team that's missing the star because a lot of other guys go bigger and other teams tend to let down. This isn't that. This is not injured star theory. This is just a line probably moved too far. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And then, well, basically what I'm thinking happens here is that this is probably going to be a narrow game. I think this is going to be closer. You're going to see the Mavericks kind of run out of tricks in the second game without Luka. Jazz probably win that one by more, if I'm guessing. And then they go home and Utah really might go up 3-0. I mean, this could end up as a sweep if Utah is as focused as they need to be. Would I play the Jazz at minus 300 on the series price? I wouldn't, because what if Luka just pops up for game two? What if? I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a very low probability. But what if? It's hard to bet a series price when there's a giant name hanging in the balance like that. Game to game, now that the totals dropped eight points, you know, I think you'd probably have to look at the over if you're going to do anything with the total. It's moved too far to keep going under at that point. I'd leave it alone, personally. And then again, lean to Mavericks on the side. Second game on Saturday. Grizzlies, seven-point home favorites over the Timberwolves, total of 235. Whoa! Got to look at the under on a total that high, don't you? I certainly would think so. Series price, uh, Memphis, actually, wait, is Toronto Philly before that one? When do these games start? Uh, no, I think they moved T-Wolf Grizzlies earlier. Yeah, they did. Okay, we got that right. Uh, Memphis is a minus 360 favorite on the spread. I, you know, I think Wolves at plus 280 is actually kind of interesting there. Minnesota's going to have to figure out how to win a road game. Grizzlies are very good, but there's just something about the way that they've gotten to where they are this year that makes me think the playoffs are going to diminish that slight that advantage a little bit. Not all the way. Grizzlies are still the better team, no question, unquestionably. So I don't want you guys listening to this and saying, oh, Dan's slandering the Grizzlies. I'm not. But what we've seen 
for decades in the NBA is sometimes you get these regular season teams where something clicks, something special. And for the Grizzlies, that something special was that all of their guys, you know, they, they, we've lamented it on the fantasy side forever, how deep they run with their bench and how hard everybody plays all the time. Every bench guy, they're 21 minutes a game. They're just going full bore. It's, it's a little bit reminiscent of like the run and gun Loyola Marymount teams from 35 years ago or whatever that was, where anybody that comes on the floor, they're just going full tilt all the time which is super rare in an NBA regular season because most of the time these guys are trying to kind of save themselves a little bit. But the Grizzlies are so deep that they can just rotate guys in and out when dudes get tired of playing at that clip. So they force a ton of steals. Their defense is swarming. They play fast, 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 fast. They're running. They're gunning. They're good, no question. And they've won road games. They've been good home and road. But... They're going to see other teams playing a little bit harder now in the postseason. And so whatever that advantage was, and believe me, it was something, because they were a two-seed, 56 wins, you don't get by a fluke. But whatever that advantage was, and in this game they're saying Grizzlies seven-point home favorite, so that's basically like a three to three-and-a-half-point neutral site favorite, probably about three. Playoff line, you kind of move it about four points for home court. That comes down just a little bit, because you're going to get the Wolves going at their full blast here in these playoff games. You're not going to get the opponent coasting at 85%. So I like the Wolves catching seven points. I think that they're, they got kind of tested in the play-in game, which is good. Grizzlies didn't have that moment here. They had it last season. Yes, I'm not saying that they're not battle-tested. There's just sort of kind of a wake-up call game that every team needs for the playoffs, and the Wolves just had one. So I think the Timberwolves keep this one close. I like the under as well. You just, you know, teams just don't play that fast in the playoffs, especially when the number's that high. As the series price goes, Wolves are interesting at plus 280. I think eventually the Grizzlies sort of figure this thing out. Uh, but given the fact that I think this game is close, which means it could kind of go either way, if you're thinking about the Wolves, you probably want to do it now. Do it now. If they win that first game, you might get a decent price on the Grizzlies if they're down 1-0. So you're thinking about kind of betting into a series from both sides. Sixers are a very, very short favorite over Toronto. Toronto has become kind of fashionable here lately, which makes me a little bit nervous. I know earlier this week I said I like the Raptors, and it seems like I'm not alone with that one. They're only a plus 155 underdog for the series, and they're only a four and a half point underdog for the game. That's basically oddsmakers saying that the Sixers are, are less than a possession better than the Raptors on a neutral site. Total of 216, that's down about a bucket from the opening line of 217 and a half. This is a tough one now. I'm a little bit scared off of my Raptors love, given that, it again, it seems like there's a lot of that going around right now. But I'm not going to change my position just based on you know a couple of small line moves and things of that nature. I think Toronto has a very good shot of winning this series. I don't think they're afraid of Philadelphia. Matisse Thybul cannot play in Canada. Raptors finished the season 8-2 and two, their last 10 games. Uh, they've been good on the road this year at 24-17. and 17. So have the Sixers, by the way, for whatever that's worth. But again, Raptors, uh, they've been fine traveling away from their home arena. My fear with Toronto is actually is a little bit similar to my fear with Memphis, although, you know, it's, it's kind of a different story that got us there. 
They played their starters heavy minutes during the regular season to get to the point they got to. Sixers didn't. Yeah, I mean, they played them enough. It wasn't like Philly was benching their guys. But Joel Embiid averaged 30 and a half minutes per game this year. 30 and a half. They did what they wanted to with him, which was to keep him upright for the season. He was as healthy as he's ever been. James Harden, he played a ton of minutes, but a lot of that happened in Brooklyn as well. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, those guys played the higher minute count. Postseason now, wait a minute, I got something a little bit screwball here. Joel Embiid, 33.8? Why is it changing on me? Oh, there we go. Yeah, 33.8. It changed. I don't know what I was looking at, but it wasn't 30.8. It was at 33.8. You're going to see Joel Embiid play probably closer to 37 or 38 minutes a game in the postseason. So these little things like that, which don't, you know, they they don't jump off the page, but, you know, Freddie Van Fleet, he's already playing 38 minutes a game. Pascal Siakam was playing close to 40 minutes a night. Toronto doesn't really have more they can get out of their top guys. That does frighten me a little bit because, again, some of this stuff, and by the way, this is, this game is in Philadelphia. I think it'll be a good ball game. I think it'll be tight. It's hard to cover five points in a game that's close most of the way through. So as far as this game goes, I might look at the under and assume that this thing's not going to be a get-out-and-run game. 216 is not a particularly high number, but I still think it's going to be slower than that. Or you hold off and you start to bet into the under as the teams adjust to one another. That's also a possibility here. As the series goes... You know, I liked Toronto. That number just kept coming down at plus 155. I don't know that there's still the same value there that there was earlier. And the last Saturday game, Nuggets in Golden State. It sounds like Steph Curry's looking to play, but without knowing for sure, I don't think I can tell you what to do with this game or this series. Warriors are minus 260. You know, they'll beat Denver if Steph plays even, like, six out of the seven games of this series. If he plays in all seven, Warriors at minus 260 is actually not that incredibly high of a price to pay. They're not going to lose this series to Jokic and nobody else. Draymond will figure something out. They'll make the rest of the Nuggets beat them. They'll change it up. They'll have different schemes and things they can try. And Denver's not going to be able to stop the Warriors at full strength. So series price, minus 260 is actually not that expensive. Not usually a fan of laying that much chalk, but... The value here, believe it or not, is probably on the home team. And as far as the individual game goes, don't do it until we know for sure. And we don't know what Steph's going to be like his first game back. Warriors have good defense. Nuggets sort of tend not to. I would look at the under again. That's probably the most interesting play on that game. Because if Steph plays, total probably jumps up. Then maybe you go under with it. Wait until you get the Steph news. Because it sounds like he's going to get ruled in. I guess we don't. I guess we don't know for sure. Uh, Sunday's games and Sunday's prices. Nets, Celtics. This is basically, you know, Oddsmakers basically said these two teams are a dead heat. Celtics are a four-point home favorite. I think they're the better team in this series. Uh, I like Boston at minus 145 on the series price. That's nice and cheap for me. It's going to be a long series, though. Kevin Durant will have some explosion games. Uh, Kyrie will have an explosion game here and there. That'll keep Brooklyn in this thing, no question. But I do think the Celtics ultimately win it. You probably will have an opportunity, if you want, to get in on both sides. Did Brooklyn's game against Cleveland give them the wake-up call here? So does that mean that Nets get off to the better start and then the Celtics kind of have to make their adjustment? 
We're finding we're hearing that Time Lord might play early in this series. That leaves a lot up in the air on the game to game basis. So I don't think I'm betting unless again I might look at the under. 224 is a pretty high number when you talk about how good the Celtics defense has been this year and they're going to try to slow Brooklyn down. That's going to be their game plan. They don't want to let KD and Kyrie get out in an open court. They're going to force them to run stuff. So I would look at the under. I don't like the side in that game without knowing exactly who's playing, particularly on the Boston side. Also, again, Celtics sort of not. This is their first playoff game. You could say Brooklyn kind of had one already. But as the series goes, you know, maybe you take Brooklyn at plus 125 before this first one. If you think they win it, then it flips. Then you get Boston on the underdog price. Like, there's a very real chance that after two games of this series, you might be able to get both teams at a dog price. And then you just middled it. And finally, the Bucks expected to just wipe the floor with the Chicago Bulls, and I think they will. 3-1, to one, I think, is where you see this series after four games. Milwaukee probably polishes it off in five. Uh, Bucks are a far better team. They got Brooke Lopez back. Chicago kind of falling apart down this stretch. I don't want, not, not fair to call them a paper tiger, but they were playing above their heads for a long time. Vooch needs to be better. Levine needs to be better. I don't think they could ask Tamar to do a whole lot else. But it's just not enough. They made a nice leap this year, though. Give the Bulls a lot of credit. I think the reason that there's a little bit of a down feeling with Chicago... By the way, I would look at the under in this game, too. Although, you know, there's a chance that Milwaukee just eats them alive. And Chicago doesn't know what to do with themselves. So then the question is, like, does Milwaukee win this game 130 to 105? Because then it goes over. Or is it like 125 to 100 and then it goes under? I do think that there's a real there's a real potential for blowout here. We'll see. I, don't, I guess it depends on how seriously the Bucks take Game One, but I don't, I'm not going to bet into the game. I don't like it much. I'm not betting into the series. It's way too expensive. Uh yeah. I mean, I have the Bucks going back to the the finals again. So you know, I think they get through this thing, and boy, covering a ten point spread in a playoff game, I think they do it. I think I kind of like the the Bucks to win in a blowout here in Game One. I've been really disappointed in Chicago lately. The thing that uh, the thing that's sort of unfortunate about the Bulls' season. Uh, oh my God! While we were doing the show, Paul George just got hit with COVID. Oh my goodness! Oh, is that brutal? Well, we'll we'll come back to that in one second. Um. It's also worth noting, by the way, that Bam Adebayo is still in protocol, so we don't know if he's going to get to play in uh, in the first game of that Heat-Hawks thing, which, uh, what the hell did we just say? That's a Saturday game? No, that would be a Sunday game. So there's still a little bit of time left on that one. He might, he might get out of it, but we don't have that price anyway. Um... For the Bulls, just as a season goes, and we'll talk about this when we when we go over Chicago, when we get into kind of the team in review part of our offseason, they started so hot and ended so cool here. If you had flipped that around, and you can't, I mean, it is what it is. This is what happened. They were very bad on the road. They were pretty good at home. There's just I, there's a disappointment despite the team being 10 games over 500. Again, I think if you had started the year and been like, hey, Bulls are going to be 10 games over 500 this year. Most Bulls fans would have been like, sweet, that's a great step forward. But they were rolling, you know, 12, 13, 14 games over and then had this sort of piddling stretch run. 
So then everybody, it's a bad taste in the mouth. They fell into the sixth seed. They were up there in the two, three battle for a while. They got to do something to wake people up here. And I, you know, getting the bucks, that's a tough way to go. Man, it would have been nice. Chicago, I'm sure, would have loved to get into that four or five matchup somehow. Would have given them a little bit of a target here. Oh, well. So uh, the Paul George thing, obviously, is going to change this Clippers-Pels line. That's going to go from Clippers minus four to probably something like a Pick'em, maybe even Pels by a point. Uh, and the total's going to drop precipitously. And at that point, you know, I Clippers are going to have to try to move a little bit. They're going to need this game to be a little bit quicker. Pels, you know, want to play faster. I might look back now at bouncing on an over if the total falls under 210. We'll see how far it drops here when this news actually hits the gambling stuff. Uh, and I think we got word this morning that Kawhi Leonard had was not going to play in the playoffs either. So, uh, wow, Clippers, sheesh, Clippers season falling apart here as we talk on air. That's that's rough. That's tough news because they had to they had to get one of these play in games, and now it it seems like they might not get either. They might still win this one. Make no mistake. If this game is a pick that's going to be for a reason. There's going to be a lot of money coming in on New Orleans on the Paul George being ruled out news. But the Clippers played without that dude the entire season. Do not rule them out. It's not over yet. But it's a big, it's a big piece of news. Yuck. Poor Clips. L.A. basketball. Rough times. Rough times these days. Well, uh, even if they advance now, Paul George likely out for a week starting today. You pretty much just, like, even asymptomatic folks tend to not get negative, two back-to-back negatives for at least six days. So even if they advance, he would miss the first probably three games of them getting spanked by the Phoenix Suns. Now you kind of like, all right, we'll just send the Pels along. At least they've got a fighting chance, which, again, isn't much against Phoenix. Tough go there, man. Um, well, yeah, I don't think we'll have the new line because this news just broke 15 seconds ago. But I'll tell you this. If the total drops below 210, I would look at an over. And if the side moves to the Clippers getting more than about two points, I would actually look at, at L.A. in that spot because I think they'll, they're going to fight like crazy in this one without Paul George. You're going to see Reggie Jackson play like 44 minutes tonight. Ugh. Oh, that hurts. Poor guys. All right. Well, have a great weekend, everybody, on that absurd news. This is Fantasy NBA Today, playoff betting edition. Monday, back into lessons learned. Five off-season shows in the books. That's one week. I did this last off-season. I totally lost count, and I'm fairly certain it's going to happen again. But regardless, thank you once again, everybody, for continuing to listen here even after the season's over. Thank you for getting us to 800 reviews. I can't believe we did it. I can't believe we did it. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Go check out what they're doing at Sports Ethos, by the way. Cool off-season stuff being rolled out. You wouldn't expect it, but it's there. Oh, and listen to Fantasy MLB today. Come on, guys. It's baseball fantasy now. You're going to need something actual fantasy to talk about. Because, you know, we're talking about it, but can't do anything with it for a little bit. Okay. Toodaloo.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.